Welcome to the Soul Patch Podcast, the podcast where three American expats explore different topics related to living and working in South Korea. With the combined 45 years of living experience in Asia, there are plenty of stories to tell. So pop in your headphones and make yourself comfortable. It's time for the Soul Patch Podcast. All right, Frank, um, I'm going to throw some questions at you just to get this, get the ball rolling. So what we're talking about today, we, um, I guess, Jack put out the line trying to find people that have had, uh, we'll say it sideways experiences in Korea with the whole ESL scene, because um, whether, I don't know if you're familiar with the podcast we got here, but the three of us are kind of the happy-go-lucky dudes of uh, ESL. We've We've been fortunate. We got we got lucky um, and have had some really good experiences. And but we have plenty of friends that have worked here over the years, and we know that there's other uh, ways that to live this this life. So we're just curious to find kind of the other side of the coin. So um, and I know that a lot of listeners that are looking potentially looking to come to East Asia and teach ESL, they're um, they're obviously going to be concerned, you know, uh, and, and trying to fix, suss out like, you know, what the odds are of getting a good gig or what is a bad gig, what are the red flags and stuff. So again, to kick it off, um, how did you find the job that you got? Yeah. So, well, to give you a little bit of backstory about my life, um, I was a little bit older when I moved to Korea. I was, I think I was 30. Uh, I worked as a middle manager for an IT company for several years and I just got burned out with the grind and I wanted to make like a career change. So of course there's more to the story, but essentially that's how I decided to come to Korea. And uh, I just went to, I think, what's the name of the, I forgot, I think it's like Dave's ESL or something like that. Yeah, exactly that. I put, put my resume on there and literally 12 hours later, I had an interview and then another 30 minutes after that, I had a job. <laughs> uh, How long ago was this? 10, 20 years. So this was. Oh, okay. How long ago? Okay. So it was kind of before like everybody. It's before Korea really became like the K-pop destination. The K-dramas were super popular. It was before all that. Just but it was before. after Gangnam Style. So it's it was getting there. Yeah, yeah. It was trending upwards. Right. Nice. Okay. So, um, when this is a really fast turnaround, so you're talking like, what'd you say? It was like 12 hours or something, 24 hours. Like you, you were like, bam, you got an interview, bam, you got a job. Um, how, uh, did any of that seem like sketchy to you or did it, did things seem above board? Did anything initially like, no, obviously, no, no, no. Like, oh. you know, like hindsight's 2020, but like at the time, is there anything that you could have like, you know, now could you kick yourself or anything to like, I should have seen that thing. Was there any event? No, I mean, so you, you have to understand that between the time I interviewed and took the job and actually showed up at the school, everything had changed. But when I took the interview, uh, the teacher that I interviewed with, he had been there for three years as a foreign teacher. And he told me that, you know, they, they have a really tight knit community. It was a small town and they, they do a lot of stuff together. He assured me it was a great school. But then I think the week after 
the interview, the the owner sold it to a new person. Uh, and I wasn't aware of that until I touched down in January. Unintentional uh, oh, bait and switch. No kidding. Well, yeah. So maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't even like some nefarious thing like this other, right. you know, because I think like in in your situation, man, like okay, I'm imagining myself if I was looking for a job, especially I'm in a foreign country, you know, um, and you know, a whole new scene I don't understand. If I can talk to a current employee at that company that's going to give me a lot of reassurance. So if I'm talking to somebody who's been there for three years, they're a foreigner just like me. And they're like, yeah, this is great. Come on over. Um, and they're answering all your questions. I'd be fully confident too. Uh, yeah. But- I mean, it seemed great. He was really confident with it. And he told me that some of the other teachers have been there for a while. Um, and actually I'm still friends with him to this day. So oh, okay. it wasn't <laughs> a bad, it wasn't a bad situation initially. <laughs> Is right, it, that's so what yeah. that's one on our like our checklist of things that you should do is interview with somebody that teaches there. I mean, that's like in right. one of our other episodes we talked about that. You know, talk to the the people that work there. So you you're doing you're checking off these boxes that you know are supposed to like you know display red flags, and you're not seeing any yet. If I'm not mistaken. No, and we had a we had a nice correspondence over the next month or so. But I think, yeah, so I guess about a week or two weeks later, they, they changed the uh, ownership and they sold it to an American gentleman. <laughs> I used the term loosely. And then that's kind of when shit went sideways. All right. So that, that's pretty, pretty rapid. So like a couple of weeks and then um, it was sold. So when the Hogwan was sold to the American uh, air quotes gentleman, um, did you recognize that immediately as like, oh man, it's too late? Like, no, I was in the dark about that until I touched down. Okay. So when did you, when did it hit you where you're like, this is not a good situation? Oh man. I mean, there were, so this guy, he could sell, he could sell anything. So he made everything seem like, and the, the first impression wasn't that bad. But then in retrospect, when I started thinking about it, I was like, damn, dude, that was kind of shady. So, cause I, I was totally unfamiliar with Korean work culture. And I was, I was thinking, you know, like, okay, he's an American, at least, you know, he understands my plight. So he's gonna be honest with me. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess the first red flag was, so I, I touched down and he's at my office tell and we're going to have dinner together. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how many teachers are there? He's like, there's four teachers. I'm like, well, we're not going to have dinner together. And he's like, no, no, no. I don't want you to get close to them because they're not going to be here very long. Oh boy. And that, oh boy. That was like yeah. the first clue, right? That's weird. But I kind of was like, <laughs> you just got off the plane. Yeah. Does he, he doesn't know that you're going to be sharing an office with these people that you're going to be working alongside them. You're going to meet them. I mean, well, here's what he did. So we worked together Monday. So this was Saturday when I arrived kind of like late Saturday ish, like maybe 1030. Yeah. We had uh, some beers together. I got a little, a uh, little tipsy, and then Sunday he came over to my office tell and showed me to the grocery store. Really was, you know, he was really doing a good job of showing me around. Yeah. And then, oh fuck, man! Friday, Friday, I come into school and I found out later what had happened. But I'll tell you this: he had his friends dress up in suits and pretend to be immigration, and then they fired two of the teachers. What? 
this is <laughs> this took a very strange turn. All right, this is a Netflix special. We got to back up. What's your okay? Give me like a general idea of like what's what's the what are the conditions for this job? By the way, like you got an apartment, you get two million a month. Like I'm just curious. Yeah, it was it was just like the basic. You know, it was like. 2.1 and then in the contract it had you're going to have this kind of health insurance which when i when i researched it it was a good replacement for the nhi i think by law you have to have either the nhi or you have to have something equal and this was something that this was an equal plan but then when i got there with the new ownership they decided to do like the 3.3 percent tax you know the illegal independent contractor bullshit and then they did the actually we're just gonna do no insurance and then there was of course when they pull those two stunts, they're not going to pay for pension either, right? But I didn't know that these were rights because that's my own stupid ass fault. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what the working conditions like. But the first week there, I was fresh off the boat. It was a great like there was four foreign teachers there. My schedule was lax. The I had plenty of break time during the day, but holy shit, did that change quickly? Okay, so so how? Yeah, so <laughs> Friday. So on Friday. We were having a nice day, and then about lunchtime, these two guys come in, and they're wearing suits, and one of the guys, he was working, I guess he was working illegally, and he was having a smoke break behind the building, and they're like, immigration's here, immigration's here, everybody get their passports, and I knew something was a little shady, because obviously I'm not carrying my passport to work with me every day, and so they're like checking the paperwork of all these people, you know, air quotes again, and yeah, he... They were like, dude, you can't work here anymore. You're fired. You have to leave the country immediately. And so I found out later that they actually they had the two people that were fired had actually called immigration. Like, dude, we don't actually go to schools and check this. That's what the education office is for. Right. So when they said that that you were fired, this was to the other people in the office, not to you, right? Yeah, to the couple. Which is funny because like they're checking their IDs and you didn't even bring your ID, but you were okay to stay. Right. Yeah, I don't. So anyway, so then it was just down to me and another foreign teacher, the guy that I initially interviewed with. Uh, can, we, can we dig into this day a little bit deeper? I'm just like, this day sounds amazing to me. Like, yeah, yeah. Just like saying. the impression I'm getting right here. Like I'm picturing this, like they took this out of a page of like, I don't know, like we're immigrant field workers or something, you know, like get your passports, get down, they're coming, you know, like what? <laughs> I see it more like men in black, like they got little badges, you know, that they kind of drop down. Yeah, right. Immigration. Yes. It's, you know, uh, oh, the power of suits, man. Yeah. That's why I wear I, I don't know, man. It was just like suddenly it was utter chaos because they were one of the teachers was working illegally. He didn't have a bachelor's degree, I think, or something. But the, the previous owner had hired him on because he was a good teacher. Yeah. Uh, but then just like the chaos of trying to find this guy and him having to run home and stay like, hide from immigration at his apartment and then his wife or girlfriend i don't remember like going home and then oh my god dude oh my were, were god. they like were, were this was this couple like close to getting their like their their bonus is that why he pulled the stunt was it just to like kind of screw them out of their bonus no he just didn't like them okay like he told me straight up like sunday or saturday night at dinner he's like don't get close to these people they're not going to be here very long it was true. It was true. It's a creative way to go about uh, canceling contracts. So they were gone. <laughs> he, he, he got rid of them? They they left then. That was it? Yeah. Yeah, they oh. fucked off. They, they had okay. no choice. 
Jeez. So when, when you're seeing all this go down, okay, so I'm picturing you in the middle of this. So obviously these are, now you're seeing this as red flags. You're a little bit, you know, as the way you're describing, it, it sounds like you're kind of mystified, like what the hell is going on? Well, I believe so, it was immigration for six months. They didn't tell me they were like oh, trying okay. to, so the, 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 the teacher that I was still, fr- that I'm still friends with kind of like we're friendly when we see each other. We don't, you know, we live on opposite sides of the country now, but like when, when this was all happening, he was trying to shield me from it because he didn't want to freak me the fuck out, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the owner, he's not going to tell me that because he'll be, because then I'd be like, dude, that was weird. So, like, I, I thought the whole thing was legit for six months. Yeah, okay. So, so you're seeing it, you're like, this is real. But I mean, okay, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. I could see like buying into the whole thing but at the same time i'd still be freaked out i'd be like whoa is that how this world works like someone can just like you know like the government will rug pull my my life i think i'd be kind of nervous of my whole situation even even if i'm not like distrusting or like skeptical i'd be like wow this is not a, a permanent assignment probably I think the thing that kept me grounded was knowing that I went through the proper channels to get my visa. And then I, I knew for a fact that he was working when he wasn't supposed to be working. And so it was kind of like, okay, I just need to make sure I'm doing everything legally. Mm-hmm. Right. Since that person actually was breaking some rules here and there, it, it, it felt more legit so, as well. So at this time, like your day-to-day work, what is it like? Is it still pretty like lax schedule? Are you having fun? Is Oh, no, I mean, after, so after this event, everything changes. You have, you have a hagwon with over 200 students, and now you only have two foreign teachers. Oh, man. That's a lot of classes. Yeah. Yeah, and it took, hell, man. So that was, that was early January. This is my, like, third or fourth day in Korea. And so until March, we couldn't get any more teachers in. So there was, yeah, there was just two of us covering all these classes by ourselves. But I'm sure you got your overtime pay, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so I thought. So what was your what did your schedule look like at this time? Like what, during that January and February, what time oh, do you start? It, it was crazy, man. Uh, we were working at nine, and then I had nothing, no breaks all day. And then they kept like bitching at me to make like a weekly plan. And I'm like, when the fuck do you want me to make this weekly plan? There's no time during the day. I can't make it in five minutes between class, you know? Mm, Yeah. And then, so that's kind of when things started going south for me. So uh, just other little things. uh, So as you're getting into like the first, wait, let me back up. How long did you stay at this, this joint? Well, that's a uh, that's the kind of like the back half of the story. But I stayed for eleven months. Okay. Wow, you hung in there. So your contract, I'm guessing, was like for a year. Yeah, my contract was for yeah, it was right out a year. Well, no, they wanted me to stay until March, so it was a 13, 14 month contract. Because February or January to the next January to March would be fourteen months, right? Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. they wanted you to stay like, and you're working with another teacher as well that was there before. Um, is that a man is that is that uh it doesn't matter the the gender but did this other person um also feel the same way you did i mean because they went from like a lax schedule to just a crazy you know yeah you have to be commiserating at least with them and they've been there for a while well okay so here's what happened here's okay here's dude you guys are opening all these like actually 
like wasn't planning on talking about this, but then now it's being brought up. So <laughs> actually what happened was this guy, he went to the owner and he was like, man, we're so tired. We're working all day. We have so many classes. What's going on? And he was, and, but the owner, he really liked him. So he was trying to like sweet talk him into saying, oh, don't worry. The classes will get better when we get more foreign teachers, blah, blah, blah. But there was no teachers coming. And then finally we did get another teacher, but our schedules got even more chaotic. So he's like, dude, he went to the owner and he was like, dude, like, this is not working out. I can't work here. This is crazy. Like, so I'm going to just let my contract finish in March. I'd like my severance. And I would like for you to honor our contract and give me a plane ticket out of here so I can go back to. So the Hagwon director, he call, he comes to me and he's like really confrontational about this. He's like, hey. I heard that you were talking to the other guy and that you're really tired. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm teaching a lot of classes. I'm tired. He's like, well, what do you want me to do about that? We have to do work up here. And I was like, well, I mean, I was just saying I was tired. Like I was talking to my coworker and he said he was tired. And I said, I'm tired too. And then he decided to come and talk to you about our schedule. Like, I don't think I did anything wrong. He's like, well, that's fine, but I'm firing him. And I was like, Lord. Okay. And so, the other guy, he comes up to the, the, the foreign teacher comes up to me and he's, uh, he's like, yeah, I guess I'm fired. So, but then we had dinner together that night on Friday night. He was like, yeah, actually I quit. I don't know why the Hagwon director wants me to think that I, that he fired me, but he really wants you to believe that I was fired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, this guy's got some management skill, uh, like classes he needs to take or something. This, <laughs> this director, a... is he sitting in his office all day? Why isn't he teaching classes? I mean, he's uh, he was, at this point, he had no point. He had no choice but to teach. I okay, mean, obviously, so he's... because there's so many students. Yeah, yeah. So he's teaching like uh, alongside you guys, right? Like part time. Yeah. Part time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And was the previous owner Korean or, or also a foreigner? Well, to my knowledge, it was a. Uh, so. It was part of a chain. So it was the chain have one. And yeah. I think I don't actually I don't want to speculate because I don't know the details, but there was okay. an owner, but he wasn't there. And then the office manager handled the day to day. Right. OK. OK. But wait, I got one question. All this, all this. So, again, just thinking from the perspective, like, you know, if I was in your shoes or just um like any type of job, like what, what were the terms of the contract? Like if someone's slapping you with extra work. Are you being paid like um, like uh, the contract that, that I have currently here working is um, per class is basically how you get paid. It's salaried. But a lot of work is like per hour, I think, for hogwans. Is it or not? I don't know what it is like. It, usually like a, there's a overtime um, pay stipulated in it or like were you compensated in any way for all this extra work? So, uh, yeah, I was. I was quite naive when I, like I said, I was used to like the U.S. standards. So as long as I was working my contracted hours, I really didn't think about how, you know, how much I was teaching. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would have thought, I would have thought the same thing if I was yeah. like fresh off the boat too. I think, right? Yeah, so, I was working nine to six, and as long as my classes fell between nine to six, and then we had an unpaid break time from oh, fuck i can't remember what it was like two to 250 or something like that. it wasn't even a full hour <laughs> right. and yeah just a smash lunch yeah yeah basically and then but but we were expected to work that and to do all of our 
anyways, as, as the story progresses, there will be more stuff that comes out uh, <laughs> that'll explain more and more. <laughs> All right. But, but yeah, during this confrontation with him, like literally my back was up against the wall and he was like pretty close to me. Oh, okay. So this guy, is he, is he a big guy? Is he intimidating or is he just like uh, obnoxious? You know, just like he's a, oh, he's, he was, he's a little bit taller than me. Uh, okay. He's a big talker. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. You said he was a salesman. So yeah. Yeah. I think we get it. He's a big talker and he's very confrontational. Like, uh, and I imagine like he tries to bully people to get his way. Sure. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's know. the way that's his management style. You know, he's, he's, I mean, everything you've told us so far is describing a bully you know, just yeah, uh, dude. Roll, I mean, guys. Yeah. if there was an issue with like a Korean staff, he would just start yelling at them, like just oh. like a berate. Like I would be sitting in the office, like kids are there's just fucking kids in school, mm-hmm. and you can hear this guy just berating somebody, just like, "What the fuck are you doing? How the fuck could you do this? Why the fuck would you do that?" Like this, <laughs> right? With fucking kids in the building, right? At least right. the kids are learning some useful English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and then, yeah. and then he he was Kyopo, so he could speak some Korean too. And but he would like if he was being nice, he would speak Korean to him. But then when he wanted to like really demoralize him, he would switch to the English. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, is some of this? Do you think some of this posturing by this guy is like performative? I mean, is he he's trying to play? It almost sounds like he's playing a character that he saw in a movie or something. You know, like someone from. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that, that I'm going to be the, the big, I'm the CEO of this, you know, uh, Hogwan, but I'm going to, I think like he a- was like, I think he was like a wannabe Donald Trump character. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> it's a good, yeah. it's a good analogy. <laughs> Cause he would always like, yeah, I don't know, man, whenever he didn't get his way, he would just try to anyways. Yeah, I mean, you're not, I'm not. I'm asking you to be a psychologist here, and we're not. You know, that's not the point of this. But uh, it's just interesting to kind of try to get in that guy's head a little bit and just figure out like what is going on because it's a, he does. He sounds a little unhinged, you know. So, but I mean, but maybe there was just thinking of that, like why he might have been um, so like jacked up. Was he like? Did you ever any problems with like payment being late or anything like this? Uh, not not initially, but later in the contract, yes. Okay. Because obviously, this motherfucker lost a lot of students. Mm. Mm. So I was just wondering, actually, is how the business itself was handling during this, like how the, the customers were working. Yeah. So in the beginning, there was, holy shit, man. So there was a lot of students in the beginning. But then, of course, he comes in and he changes the entire curriculum. And then he jacks the prices up. And then we went from, or I say we, but they went from like maybe 30 or 40 kindergarten students. And I think there was 18 when the new semester started. And that's the cash cow of the Hagwan. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think actually after that, he was making more money doing the elementary. Okay. Yeah, and I, I sometimes I check their Instagram page, and yeah, he's down to what two English teachers. How to kill a hagwon in a year? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good Fascinating. Yeah. So anyway, so, so yeah, as as we progress through the year, uh, 
like this is why I, I had some teaching experience like as a substitute teacher in the states uh before you know because i had to do something during the recession because i graduated college in a way and it's really hard to find a job so i did some substitute work and so i was used to being like a really strict teacher i have no concept of what you know a hagwon is or how you know it's just like a business or you know like the whole concept of making the kids have fun while they learn i this is all new like new new frontier for me i've never experienced this before so i come in and i'm like really like trying to get the kids to learn like it's a public school in the states but nobody's training me and i remember one day the director's wife she was she called me into the office because he was gone and i guess there had been some complaints or whatever and she was like dude what the fuck are you doing this is a fucking business she used that those language exactly she words. said that to you yeah like, those are her that's verbatim. an that's the direct quote oh boy so there's two of them then yeah <laughs> okay god unbelievable um so what do you do what do you do in that situation well, I tried to listen to them and I tried to follow, you know, how they were teaching or whatever. But by this point, it was just completely toxic. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, things got better. Uh, oh, and here's another thing about the whole situation, man. I was teaching. So they, they brought in this new guy from. And then they brought in another, another girl. And so there was three foreign teachers. This was after the other guy quit. So they make me like the head, you know, some bullshit title, like the head English teacher. So I'm having to teach like reading. I'm having to teach like language arts, writing. Like these are the classes that I'm teaching. And the other teachers are teaching like art and music and basically just fuck off classes. And, you know, they're like, oh, those kids aren't having fun in your class. How come you can't be more like this guy? And I'm like, well, because I'm not fucking teaching art. Like, what the hell do you want from me? <laughs> I don't have any crayons. That's why. Yeah. Kids. And every time I try to have playtime with the kids, you guys fucking yell at me. Like, literally, I would get called into the fucking office and you know, the berating would start. So I was like, I really don't know what you guys want me to do. <laughs> I have no idea. What's wrong with you? The kids don't like your reading class as much as PE. Yeah. It's, yeah, right? it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Bizarre. So then that All progressed. Right. And then in the summer, so, but actually, so after the open class with the moms, everything chilled out for like three or four months. And then the berating stopped maybe like once a month. And then in September, we got a new teacher in. And then that's when shit got fucking weird. Okay. That's when? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> shit's already pretty weird <laughs> up to this point. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. Shit got fucking weird, dude. Okay, so. <laughs> We start the Taking new, the new semester in September, and we have this new policy. We have to make a daily comment about every student that we teach. Daily? Every student? <sighs> yes. Wow. It has to be, and it had to be at least three sentences. Oh, Lord. So, obviously, this is just, but by this time, I'm already burned out. Because I'm kind of sick of this guy. And I have no break time during the day except for the one, the unpaid hour. And I don't feel like I need to do this on my unpaid time off. So I just blew it off for a week. Mm -hmm. Well, we got our first McDonald's in town the same week. And uh, I walked to, I walked to McDonald's and I was enjoying a nice double quarter pounder. And I get a phone call from the director and I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. So I just ignored it. 
And I got back to my house and I called him and holy shit, man. He was screaming like, who the fuck do you think you are? You work for me. God damn it. What the fuck are you doing? Like this. He's like, you're on very fucking thin ice. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like this. And, uh, yeah. So I went to work on Monday cause there was a field trip and I had to stay behind, which was lovely. I fucking hated the field trips. <laughs> but then I got called into the office where I received another 45 minutes of that. And, uh, yeah, that was that was like how I spent my Monday morning. It's such a managerial failure, like having managed people myself. Like, dude, like I'm thinking it from his perspective now. Think of your blood pressure. Think of your mental <laughs> health. Like, if you're like losing your mind like this over your employees like yeah. figure out a way to like you know change the setting get a different employee but just like reaming somebody out over and over and over your life is hell like what are you doing to yourself man chill get a different job there's a new mcdonald's in town go go be a fry hop you know like you whatever you call it. you know go you know there's other things in life <laughs> dude i remember one day i was working uh so there was only three computers and one of the comp and you know how like the Hagwans do they do get like the cheapest infrastructure so only one person can open Word at a time. So I was literally standing there waiting for somebody to finish their weekly plan so that I could go in and do mine. And we were joking and talking. And he was sitting at the office and he could see into the computer room. And he goes, hey, what are you laughing about? He's uh, like, have you finished your weekly plan? And I was like, uh, well, you can literally see I'm waiting for a computer. He's like, come in here. So I saunter into the office. When are you going to do the weekly plan? Why haven't you finished it yet? And I was like, well, this is my first break of the day and I'm trying to, you know, get in there so I can do it. And he's like, and, but I thought he was kind of joking. Cause I was like, so I was kind of like, had a smile on my face. He's like, why in the fuck are you smiling? Do you think this is funny? And I was like, dude, chill out, man. I thought you were joking. He's like, you just, you just ruined my lunch. Get the fuck out of here. You ruined my lunch. He said that. Yeah, yeah, oh he my said that. drama queen. <laughs> this guy is the biggest prima donna. So he's just projecting on all you guys. Then basically, like he looks yeah, through the window like, and you're laughing, and he's going, "They're laughing at me." That's this guy's mentality, you know. Well, and here's the other side of the coin, dude. He'd always want to hang out with us on the weekends. <laughs> where are we going boys like, how come you guys never invite me to hang out with you on the weekends like this and then we'd be like because we don't fucking like you like what do you want from us and so like and then but then when we would hang out with him he was like the hagwan director right so he would invite us out and then we would go to dinner and then we would go to Norebon. And then he would just leave and make us pay. No. He would make yeah, you pay dude. for the dinner and stuff? Or like the... Well, not for the dinner, but what, he would be like, let's go to Noribong. Let's go get some. And then we would go to Noribong. And then about halfway through Noribong, he would disappear. Wow. Yeah. Noribong isn't even that much money to like cheap out on either. So Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a huge deal. I mean, it, it ended up being like 10 bucks a person. But for fuck's sake, man. But even right. that, it's just like, as it's probably pretty well understood among like us and all the listeners that know anything about Korea, if your boss is taking you out, I mean, it's not like obligatory that they pay for everything, but 
it's kind of on them like to at least acknowledge or you know i mean yeah this is an all way chic style then generally yeah like especially if it's his idea like let's go to noribong then you just then it's just kind of tacitly understood that he's the director he's gonna pay right uh, exactly yeah but no he would like and it would be one thing if he was like hey you know I mean, because we're all, we're all, you know, native, you know, we're all foreigners. We understand we're all Western. We're like, we don't expect him to pay for everything. But I mean, it would have been nice if he would have at least paid his share of the Noribong. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Instead of just, you know, just disappearing, fucking off into the night. So after, <laughs> after this year and, and plus of, of just crazy, epic, terribleness, like, how did you get out of this? What, where did you move to there? You're still in Korea. Right? Oh, I, I got fired in my 11th month. Oh. We haven't even gotten okay. to this. So, I can tell you how this happened. Do you remember how, dude, you guys aren't going to believe this. You guys are not going to believe how this happened, but I swear to God, I'm going to tell you 100% the truth and, like, all facts. No exaggeration. So, what he did, so, so I had a shared wall with one of my co- co-workers. And he hired this guy's buddy to come in and replace me, unbeknownst to me. And the other guy, well, I knew he was coming, but I didn't know that he was coming in to replace me. So I heard that I heard from my coworker that uh, this guy, let's let's call him. Well, I don't need a name. Well, it makes it easier to have a name. Hmm. Let's call him Blake. So I heard that Blake was coming in and it was top secret. Nobody was supposed to know about it. And I even asked the director, I was like, Hey, uh, when is, when is the uh, Blake coming? And he said, don't worry about it. It's not your business. I'm taking care of it like this. And so Friday night, I hear luggage rolling down the hallway. And then I hear like tiptoeing and whispering. And then I hear them go in there. Well, what he had done was he had set it up to where, he was going to stay with his buddy for a week in their little four Pyong office tell while I got fired and had two weeks to move out of mine. So that weekend we went to Seoul, we had a good time. And on Monday I come into the office and I go in he's like, Frank, I'm really sorry, uh, but I have to fire you. And I was like, yeah, dude, I knew that this was going to happen the whole weekend. Like I knew when you were tiptoeing down the hallway, that you were going to fire me because there was no place to stay. And if you had a place for him to stay, he wouldn't have been staying with his best bud. So I went, so he's like, I was like, it's okay. I have another job lined up. Just give me a letter of release so I can take the new job. And then he flipped his shit. He was like, what? You signed another contract for another job? Okay. I want to know the name of the school and I want them to wire me. A million won today. Oh my You're not god. getting a letter of release. Oh my god. This guy. That black man. And then and I was like, no, I'm not gonna fucking do that. And he was like, and I was like, and you need to because in my because this was before I knew. So in Korea, for any new listeners, you know, you have if you've been there for more than six months, you're supposed to get 30 days notice or 30 days pay. But I didn't know this because my contract said 14 days. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll just work out the rest of my 14 days and then I'll get those that paycheck and then I'll leave. And he's like, no, you're fired today. There's not going to be any money. And I'm going to take a thousand dollars out of your last pay to pay the recruiter's fee that your, oh. that your new school owes me. Oh, this guy. And I was like, 
dude, just do whatever you want to do. Just give me a fucking letter of release. I don't care. Because, yeah. you know, he doesn't have to give me the letter of release. And he could have mm. made it much worse. So anyways, he ended up stealing like $1,000 from me. Right. And then, like, I had some, like, shitty, like, first generation Samsung Galaxy A32 or whatever. Or <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was, like, it was, like, the first smartphone, I think. And it had obviously, like, it was the one that the teachers just hand down to the next teacher and the next teacher and the next teacher That's like right. that. Yeah. Like, it literally had, like, maybe 30 minutes of battery life. And I was like, well, you know, is it okay if I keep the phone? And he was like, yeah, but you owe me $400 for it. $400 uh, for that? <laughs> and I was like, you want me to pay full price for a phone that's at least third or fourth hand? And he's like, yeah, I have to get my money back. And I was like, motherfucker, this phone was here before you bought the school. Anyways. Mm -hmm. So I, I gave my phone back and, uh, yeah, that was it. That's how I left. Wow. So, so when you, when you left then, um, you didn't get the letter of release. Oh yeah. So I got the letter of release so you, and okay. then I went home. So what I was, what I was planning to do was I was planning to go home. And then when I came, when I came back, I was going to transfer the, cause I had talked to him about this. I was like, so I'm going to go home and when I come back. I'll take the letter of release to immigration. I'll switch over to my new visa. But he took that opportunity to cancel my visa. And then I had to do a visa exchange. So I paid $1,000 for the letter of release. And then I had my visa canceled while I was out of the country. And then I had to do a visa run anyway. So I just wasted $1,000. Oh, man. Uh, so it didn't matter. You didn't need the letter of release from him because you basically. Yeah, I should have just told him to go fuck himself in, in the beginning and just do a visa run. But I was really worried yeah. about my new school because it was a really nice school in uh in Seoul, and so I really just mm -hmm. wanted to make sure I could go up there. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, the recruiter she smoothed everything out with them, and I was able to start actually at that job earlier. Oh uh, well, okay. So you went okay. So I didn't know the the whole narrative here, really anything. When you started the story, I wasn't sure if like this was uh, you know, your final first and final experience in the land of the morning calm but you you came back to a place that sounds like you're about to say it's was better yeah it was better uh had issues of course but you know it was it was much better okay how long did you stay there one year and then i moved i wanted to move to a nicer area seoul so i stayed one year in, in that area in the mokdong area and then i moved mm -hmm. to uh the seoul de Ipu area when you've gone through the fire like you did your first year what what were those second two years like i mean it was just just so much more the second year was awesome i had a great time my second year had a huge it was like a converted hotel room into an office hotel it was really nice it had like a sliding door for a bedroom and there was a nice living area and a, the, the kitchen had three burners which was really cool yeah and uh that's crazy right like i'm like i had three burners anyways <laughs> <laughs> and the fridge was like, it it's like kind of it's, it's kind of apropos because you you worked for gordon ramsay basically for a year you know <laughs> so going to yeah a place with three burners makes sense but, uh, yeah yeah I, I understand gordon ramsay's actually a pretty nice guy except on those shows where he specifically <laughs> acts like an asshole yeah hell's kitchen hell's hogwan yeah you know yeah yeah it yeah. was yeah that was a that was a fucking year anyway so but then my third year, I went to a Hagwan, and this guy was trying to pull some of the same bullshit. 
but like he the contract was like, worker thing like that that same thing oh yeah most okay. deaf yeah he pulled out nonsense and then he tried to well, he, he succeeded in doing the whole uh no uh nhi mm-hmm. and then so that's where i met my wife and my wife and i started dating and about six months later he found out that we were planning to get married mm-hmm. and then he started berating her whenever he got mad at me uh, because i stood up to him i was like dude i want the nhi like this is by law you have to do this and he's like well what about my rights and i was like your right is to follow the fucking law dipshit so that i, I knew like that was my last year teaching at the Hagwon. yeah wow. yeah so did you from there did you like head back um stateside or no i so i married my wife and then we moved okay. to and then we opened our own academy oh right on yeah, yeah. congrats and That's so awesome. now i yeah so now i have my own academy where i don't get yelled at every day <laughs> yeah you, you get to do I mean, the yelling with you, my wife, freak out so you work with your at, wife you still get yelled teaching. at yeah, <laughs> yeah so, but not right. about teaching You're right uh, and, that's funny and uh yeah so yeah, so life's life's way better now but man that first year was terrible well, there's more stories i could tell you about this guy too if you want some like b-roll um, i'm just uh yeah. so it's kind of it sounds kind of great I'm, I'm glad you were able to like um i don't know i think i think so many people uh might have just like flipped the table gone home been like whatever but i think it's kind of cool that you know you kind of still persevered like probably saw some sort of i don't know I mean, obviously you made an opportunity out of it. I mean, your life is here now and um, you're married and you've got your own business. Like I just said, like massive redemption arc right there. Like, you know, um, you come into like this system and this world and then go from like basically at the bottom of that to the top being the owner. Um, what, what motivated you after the first 11 months of having like a, a terrible experience? Like, why would you want to come back? I guess is what I want to know. Like what, what was it within that first 11 months that seemed good? I mean, there had to be something that, that made you want to give it another go, or was it just like the situation in the States, the economics of it? And like, uh, this is just like my best opportunity to get a paycheck and survive and have three burners. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, Oh man. So my first, my first year in Korea, I think what, I really loved visiting Seoul on the weekends. And so I wanted to, I didn't want to have like this terrible experience, like Jade, how I felt about Korea. So I wanted to spend a year in Seoul and see, at least spend one year in Seoul and see if it got better. And so, yeah, I loved living in Seoul. And the second year I started to get more confidence and I became a better teacher. Um, not that I think I was ever a bad teacher, but it's easier to be more open and be yourself when you're not getting yelled and cursed at every time you make a minor mistake, you know? And yeah, you need, teachers need freedom to create. That's the only way you become a better teacher. Yeah, exactly. And you have to be able to be yourself. You can't, like, I understand that the, the previous Hagwon director, I understand that he was a really good teacher. I don't want to say he wasn't a good, he was a piss poor manager. Actually, when he was firing me, he was like, "How do you feel about me as a person?" Oh, I was like, dude, get the fuck this out! This guy's of a here. narcissist, man. This is crazy. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, crazy. so like, but he was a good teacher. I'll give him credit where credits due. Uh, and 
he wanted me to just copy his style. That's not me. I'm not him. I can't do that. And there was a lot of friction because of that. Uh, but, you know, the second year was better. The third year, I really think I started becoming a better teacher. And then I was ready to open my own academy. And so we moved. My wife and I decided to move closer to her family and to be in where her family's from. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's, it I don't takes know if that answered your question. That was really long-winded. I don't know if I answered <laughs> no, what you were it, getting it, into. It just, I, I, had, I had kind of a thoughtful moment there, man, because like we talked a little bit in a previous episode, um, if it's published or not, talking about just teaching, teaching methodology. We're all teachers here. And I like that comment. Like, like one of the basis for the friction with the manager, like the, you actually, like you've been talking about him for like 45 minutes about how he's kind of a POS like over and over, but at the end it's like, but I got to give him credit. He actually was a good teacher. He, he had good methods. The problem was he wanted me to teach in his methodology exclusively. And I think that's one of the things that for anybody listening, looking to get a gig. And if you haven't taught a lot before or at all, if you can find things where there's not a lot of rails, where if the school's like, yo, um, we'll let you choose the textbook, we'll let you design the curriculum. Don't be afraid of that. That's a good thing. Like, I think that's for a lot of young teachers, people are used to like a job that has like, this is your job. This is what you do. Like being thrown into a new system. And if you haven't been a teacher before, you might find that to sound, seem like maybe it's dismissive, you know, like, oh, figure it out, you're on your own. Like, just go and teach. That's actually a really awesome situation if you want to, I think, have fun and develop as a teacher. Very, so, very, very few hogwans will do that, though, because hogwans, right. the reason they get customers, of course, is by saying we have our curriculum. Right. right? They're so, selling the curriculum. yeah, so they're, they're selling the curriculum itself. They're not selling the teacher. That's and, a good point. Like, so hogwan in, in almost any situation a hogwan is going to not give you that freedom they're going to say like here's your book you yeah know, this is, i don't mean this is like in absolute absolute terms but like there's definitely going to be situations that are more liberal than other ones where it's like i mean we have in our jobs we have a book we use but none of us have to use it it's like and how much do you use it Kev? like 10 percent of your class i'm sure there's other teachers that use it 90 percent um so I think like looking for flexibility, but I, again, I'm preaching. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I think, I think when it comes to the Hagwan, I mean, I get that they're going to give you their curriculum and that they're going to, you know, expect them to teach you what they want to teach you. But I think, I think what most new teachers need to understand, and this certainly isn't true for most Hagwans. No, no, no. Let me rephrase that. This certainly isn't true for some Hagwans, but I think it's definitely true for most Hagwans. Uh, Basically, the foreigners are there just to advertise. Everything a foreign teacher does at a Hagwon, a Korean teacher could do. Yeah, that's a good point. That's true. I, I used to think that too. There is something about the, I don't know, what, what is it? Like the uh, exoticness or whatever of, of, you know, just having a, a foreigner be there uh, present or whatever is, yeah. I, because I, I used to think like sometimes they'll take like a, They'll take like a uh, inferior foreign teacher will get a job that a superior, you know, Korean uh, teacher, a, a teacher who's actually better skilled or better suited for that job. They'll still give it to a foreigner for because of the, what you're, you're talking about, that dynamic. 
And uh, yeah, and yeah. and you have to understand that being a Hagwon teacher in Korea is basically a beauty contest as well. You have to have what they consider to be the beauty standards of foreign people. And I've seen so many times like qualified teachers from South Africa or other places get skipped over for somebody with no qualification whatsoever just because of the color of their skin or their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't and, I don't want to make any excuses for your your previous boss, but man, if you think about it, like he's a he's a gyopo, he comes here, you know, obviously you said even you said that you could respect his his uh, teaching methodology. He obviously wanted to get into the ESL game. He opens, you know, runs a, a franchise of a hogwan, etc. I'm not making any excuses for a dude I don't know, but you know, maybe um that's what leads someone to have a mental breakdown is, you know, he's seeing this, so, you know, he's experiencing this system where it's like some token white bread from Chicago gets to walk in here and collect a paycheck. Whereas I went and got my master's degree and, uh, you know, language learning and, you know, cause I saw, you know, what would be, you know, helpful to, you know, people in my country. And I had the opportunity to grow up in, uh, you know, America, I don't know, you know, it could be some, I'm, I'm kind of indulging the narrative here, maybe a little too much. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> I mean, but I really, I really believe after, I really believe after spending the year with him, he thought that opening a hagwon was going to be easy money, and then he didn't really want to. He didn't expect how much work would go into actually running the day to day of it, and then it's really hard work. I mean, I have my own academy now, and I can tell you it's, it's a lot of work. And it, the money, it's not easy money. You, you have to really make sure that you care for every student, and you have to keep all the moms happy. And the moms go to the cafes, and then they talk. And, you know, at first we were lucky because, you know, it's a small city, so we could do some targeted advertisement on Instagram. But in Seoul and the bigger areas, you don't have that luxury. Uh, because it's just too spread out and Instagram's not set up to where you can do by zip code in Korea. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work, man. And it's a lot of customer service and it's a lot of, you know, kissing ass and keeping the parents happy. For, for, yeah, exactly. And for somebody like him that comes in for somebody to, for somebody to start a, and it's bad business too. If you take over a business, you don't jack the prices up you know, 30, 40% in the first two months of owning it. That's just like a cash grab. And that fails every single time. This is another reason why I called him a wannabe Donald Trump. And it's just not good business. That's not how you do business, man. So he had, this guy had kind of a myopic uh, approach, right? Like I'll just get gratification now for problems later or whatever. He was, I'll uh, tell you this about the man. He was bleeding students and he bought a, Ah, okay. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> that's important, man. You got to keep the image. You got to keep up. the image of. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's that's a business expense. I'd say if you're the off. if you're the director <laughs> of a hagwon, you're the owner of a hagwon, and you're hiring your friends to to play uh, FBI agents or immigrate immigration agents, you are on the wrong path. You know, you're Turn winning. Around. Yeah. You're winning is yeah. what you wanted to say. You're winning. <laughs> and he wanted us to think he was somehow involved with like the local mafia. Because he'd be like, oh, I've got connections with people that whatever. Or, oh, I'll that's something to brag about. Take your knees if you don't teach these kindergartners. That's <laughs> yeah. what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if he doesn't know his ABCs by Wednesday, 
kneecaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a nice letter of recommendation. Be a shame if it uh, went up in flames, you know? Yeah. <laughs> a real shame. A real shame. This guy's uh, a real piece of work, man. We gotta wrap it, guys. Um, yeah, that was awesome. That, this was awesome, uh, Frank. Thank you for taking the time. Um, this is you're the first, I think, in this. We're gonna do a series. We've got a, a, a few lined up here. Uh, this is gonna be fun. Jack, you want to do the your tag? Yeah, this is our outro. Uh, we just want to say <laughs> uh, thanks again, Frank, for uh, for sharing your story. This was uh, a lot of fun. Um, you guys know where to find us. Uh, you can go to our website, thesoulpatch.com, and you can uh, stream all the episodes uh, straight from the website. We've got links to our social. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram uh, and Facebook. You can also uh, watch us on YouTube. Uh, sometimes we put the video up. Sometimes we don't. Um, this one will be just audio only. Um, and then uh, if you can do us a solid and uh, go ahead and uh you know, give us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. That's really good for us in regards to the charts. So, uh, and finally, if you want to hit that Patreon button, uh, if you like what we're doing, uh, you can hit that and uh, buy us a cup of coffee and that'll just go towards producing the show. And uh, that's it. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week on The Patch. Bye-bye. Have a good week. Adios. Respect to the people that made me what I am today. Gotham Gear. all my love. The quiet mind. It's all my love. The brain. It's all my love. It's all my love. It's all my love. Call me a diamond on. Long face.